I was pregnant when I found out about David's case. As I've grown into my own motherhood, I've thought of Wanda often. I've wondered what she thought about in the quiet hours after Susan went to sleep and before the sun came up, marking another day without David. Did she reflect back on her entire life, on everyone she had ever met, and wonder if she had second-handedly caused David's death? Did she ever sleep after August 14, 1974? The night Susan sent me Wanda's notes was the first time I cried working on this case. By this time, I had given birth to my son and was a couple years into the hardest and most rewarding thing I've ever done, being a mother. I felt what I'm positive Wanda felt, a love so deep and consuming that it feels as if your whole heart is walking around outside your body. I sat down at my kitchen table that night, unable to even attempt to fathom how Wanda must have felt. Her son, just 15 years old, walking home and then stolen away from her. Having to know for the rest of her life the details of his last minutes when she was still able to so vividly remember his first moments. I've looked through Wanda's notes probably a hundred times since that night, hoping each time that I'll find a name or a clue that was stashed away in a grocery bag for 45 years just waiting for me to find it. Her notes are chaotic. They alternate between print and cursive, they're written on torn paper plates and junk mail and in the margins of magazines. She wrote reminders to herself to ask questions she couldn't possibly have been prepared to hear the answers to. Wanda frantically searched for answers alongside the Metro squad in the nine days following David's murder. She talked to the police numerous times, offering theories and rumors told to her by David's friends. She did her own investigating, tracking people down and drawing maps to their houses as she drove. At some point, Wanda was tired of waiting on the police and of calling people at all hours of the night to get the same responses over and over again. When I talked to David's older sister, Sally, she told me that shortly after the murder, several times she and Wanda drove around looking for Funston's house. On these drives, Wanda had a gun. I'm not sure what her intentions were, whether to scare Funston into confessing or to just kill him right there in his own doorway, but the thought of it all is gut-wrenching. Eventually, Wanda did find Funston's house. The garage door was open, but the house was empty. Funston and his family had packed up and left, leaving behind a house that looked as though its inhabitants were in a hurry, and I'm sure they were. It's surprising to me that Wanda knew the police suspected Funston, that they would tell her he was the main suspect, despite not feeling as though they had enough evidence to arrest him. Clearly, the Metro squad, made up of 25 or so men, weren't aware of the links a mother, and in this case Wanda, could and would go to in seeking justice for her son. Because David's murder is still unsolved, I want to put all the information I have out there. That includes rumors, statements and theories by kids in the area, and of course, all the things Wanda told police, no matter how far-fetched they may seem. I'm Dylan Kingsley, and this is episode 4 of Burn, the unsolved murder of David Iman. lot to take in in this episode. I'm going to try to go in chronological order the best I can just so you can get an idea of the path of the investigation. There's also a lot of names in this episode. At first I thought that I wouldn't use names just for the sake of clarity, but I think it's important if anybody does recognize a name in this episode or 
maybe a situation that I describe and wants to come forward and tell me something that police might not already know, I think it's important that you have all of the information. The first thing that was kind of suspect that happened was on the 19th of August, and police went to the Iman home to tell Wanda about a call that had been received by a radio station concerning David's murder. This man called into the radio station and said that his wife had been at church and a woman came in just hysterical. This woman told the caller's wife that she heard Wanda was also in danger and might be killed too. When police told Wanda this, she said that she couldn't think of anybody that she or David had issues with that would cause them to want to kill David. She did say that she was told by one of David's friends that he heard some boys from the Terrace Lake Housing Edition might be after him for ripping them off. I can't find anything in the records that point to this being true. I think likely... This was a misunderstanding. I think Wanda was reaching out to a lot of David's friends in those first few days, and I think there could have just been a miscommunication there. I do know that that night that he was killed, he had told one of his friends that he was looking for a couple guys from Terrace Lake, and so I, I just think that Wanda may have misheard this. Later on, when the police were still there, they asked Wanda if she had a boyfriend, and she reluctantly told them that she was dating a married man named Jim Macklin. They had been having an affair for about three years, but Jim's wife knew about their relationship and was okay with it. As the police were leaving, Sally, David's older sister, and her boyfriend, Ned, talked to police more about Jim. Jim said that he was going to move into the Iman house at one point, and David had better get his shit together. Sally said Jim was a con and very controlling, and he wouldn't let Wanda do or buy anything for David, saying that David didn't deserve it. Jim drank excessively and had a violent temper, and at one point, Sally said Jim pulled a gun on his own son and shot the gun over his head. On Wednesday, so the 14th, about 20 minutes after the news segment aired saying that the body had been identified as David, Jim had called the Iman house. Ned answered the phone and asked Jim if he had heard about David being killed, and Jim said no. Jim then told Ned that he would call or come by the house, but he hadn't since before that Wednesday. Police went ahead and questioned Jim, and Jim said that he had only ever gotten on to David for talking back to Wanda and that he would tell David that he needed to cut his hair, but there was never any threats or violence between the two of them. Jim offered to take a polygraph test to clear himself of being a suspect, but he was never given a polygraph test. A couple days later, Wanda told police about a boy who had briefly lived with them at her house. She didn't give a time frame and she didn't know the boy's name, but said that he was very strange, and he was about four years older than David, which she also thought was strange. The boy lived at their house for about a week, and then she bought him new tires for his car so he could leave. Wanda recalled that if she ever said anything negative about this boy, that David would get angry. She felt that this boy was gay, but had no proof of that, and he ended up joining the military, and Wanda hadn't heard about him since then, until David returned from his trip to California. David told Wanda that he had been riding around with this boy since he got home. 
David's older brother interjected at that point and said that while David was visiting him in California just a couple weeks prior, he had met up with an old friend from Kansas City, and Johnny thought it could be the same boy Wanda was talking about. This boy's name was Doug Schaffner, and he was stationed in San Diego in the Navy. Johnny told David that he didn't approve of David hanging out with Doug and asked him not to see him again while he was in California. Doug's name also comes up in another interview. Two of David's friends, Carl and John, talked to Doug. Doug came into town a few days after David was killed and left a couple days later. That would have meant that he was in town from the 17th to the 19th or somewhere around then. This doesn't match up with David telling Wanda that he had been riding around with Doug, but the boys said that Doug didn't really say anything. He only talked about wanting to move back to Kansas City. In David's case file, there is no record of police ever attempting to make contact with Doug. I go back and forth about Doug. Sometimes I've thought that maybe he and David were involved romantically, though I have no proof or indication that David was gay. But it just seems like this kid, Doug, was a source of contention between David and Wanda. and. I'm just not sure why else that would be. I also think it's really strange that the police never tried to contact him in any way because of the timing of him visiting Kansas City and it possibly being before David was killed or after David was killed. The police never verified any of that information. Sally, David's older sister, told me That Monday night before David was killed, she and her boyfriend were having dinner at Wanda's house, and David left saying that he was going to a movie with his friend Carl. When Carl was questioned, he said he saw David at the pool hall Monday and asked him if he wanted to go to the movie, but David said that he didn't have money to go. So I don't know if Carl was actually the one who picked him up that Monday night, or if maybe it was Doug and... David just didn't say that. I'm not sure. Sally did see David get picked up, though. Carl said that he had dropped David off at home on Sunday night, and that would have been the last time his car was at his house. Carl also said that he had hung out with Linda several times when David was in California, but they had just ridden around in his car, nothing else. I do want to note that Carl ended up marrying Linda just a couple years after David's death. Police went ahead and searched Carl's car and checked the tires against the impressions left at the crime scene. They noted that the tread was different and there was no physical evidence found. Carl also offered to take a polygraph test, but police never subjected him to one. A secret witness line was set up by the Metro squad, and to my knowledge, they only received two calls, and both calls were on the same night. The first call was from an older man who had spoken to a woman, and this woman told him that David had been walking up the road and stopped to help a girl with blonde hair who appeared to be having car trouble. Two men jumped out of the bushes and tied David up. This woman relayed to the caller that Wanda was also in trouble and thought to be involved by the people who killed David. I think this call seems to be related to the radio call about the woman coming into the church. I can't say for sure, but the stories seem pretty similar. Police never attempted to follow up with either of these women, to my knowledge. The one who was relaying the information to the man who called on the radio station, or this woman who relayed information to the man who called in to the secret witness line. 
neither one of them were ever followed up on. The other call that night on the secret witness line was from an older man who said that he didn't have specific information regarding the case, but offered that cases like David's murder followed a psychological pattern. According to the transcript of the call, the man just seems to kind of ramble on about interactions between the perpetrator of the crime and the victim based on the psychology of both of them. I have a spreadsheet where I've gone through all of the records and listed any name that came up in interviews as being David's possible killer, either through rumor or someone saying that they heard something, whatever the case may be. And the most common names in my spreadsheet are ones of a trio of brothers and their friends and roommates. The kids in the area feared these brothers. They were kind of rough and seemed to have a problem with a lot of people, but uh, most of the kids said that they were generally harmless. They were also pretty well-known drug dealers in the area. According to a lot of the kids, David was friends with these brothers. But back on the 15th, one of the brothers and his roommate, who was one of David's closest friends, were brought into the police station to be questioned. Mark, one of the brothers, had not seen David for several months, and he signed a consent to search his vehicle and his home. He also agreed to take a polygraph test. He was never given a polygraph test, and none of his property was ever searched. Eric, Mark's roommate and one of David's best friends, according to Susan, said that he didn't know who could have killed David. He last saw David Monday night at the pool hall. Eric did tell police that David had been beat up the winter before. I have since found out more about David getting beat up. He had sex with a girl from school that winter and bragged about it, and when the girl's brothers found out, they beat him up. So that's just kind of a funny story to me, but nothing nefarious or suspect about it in terms of his murder. Eric also agreed to take a polygraph test, but was never given one. On August 16th, a girl a year younger than David said that she was hanging out at a house after a wedding rehearsal, and she was standing in a group of people, and Eric said that he knew something about David's murder but couldn't tell them. Mark supposedly was also standing in that group. I think that it's possible that Eric may have been talking about him and Mark being questioned the day before, but I just don't know. The middle brother, Gary, was also questioned along with a friend that he had been with on the 13th. The boys said that that night they had gone to a bar and returned home with a girl named Millie who Gary had met at the bar. He said that she drove her purple Toyota to his residence and stayed there with him until about 5 a.m. Gary's friend, who's also named Mark but is not his brother, borrowed his car around 11 and drove around until 1 o'clock. During this time, he went to 7-Eleven and visited a friend. Gary gave police Millie's phone number, and police found that it was registered to an R.D. Sill. They visited the address of this phone number, and a neighbor told them that R.D. Sill did live there, and he did have a daughter, but that her name was Sharon, and she drove a light brown vehicle. Neither men were ever polygraphed, and Gary's vehicle was never searched. They also never followed up on Millie, and to my knowledge, never found her to confirm that alibi of Gary's. 
The day after David's funeral, Wanda called police and told them that Mark, the youngest of the three brothers, had been at the funeral and she observed him laughing during the services and then in the parking lot afterwards laughing kind of in a hysterical manner. She said that Mark had tried to hit David with his car in the last week but had missed and left. She also said that Mark and David were enemies. Again, most of the kids that were interviewed said that David and Mark were friends, so I'm not sure if possibly something had happened between them recently or if Wanda was misinterpreting the situation. I'm just not sure. David's brother Johnny did go to Mark's house after the funeral, and the two argued about Mark laughing at the funeral, but they patched things up. As a side note, one of the kids interviewed about David's murder, his name was Rex Solomon. He said that he had gotten into some arguments with Mark about a girl and that he was afraid of Mark and also his brothers, and so he didn't go to the Ruskin area or the pool hall anymore. About two years after David was murdered, Rex was shot six times at close range through the open window of his car when he was sitting at a park, and he was killed. And to my knowledge, Rex's murder was never solved either. Mark's name also came up in one of the only interviews conducted after the Metro Squad's nine-day investigation. In September of 1975, a girl told police that she heard that Mark and several other boys had killed David because David had information that he was going to give to the police. When this same girl was interviewed again six months later, she said that two or three days before David was killed, she overheard Mark talking to two other boys at the Ruskin Pool Hall saying that Iman should be killed. For her privacy, I won't get into details, but I don't think this girl is a very credible witness based on her statements to police. Her statement was the only report in David's case file from 1976. The day after Mark was questioned, police went to question the oldest of the brothers, Ricky, and the boy's mother said that she wouldn't allow her sons to be questioned again without a warrant because she was mad that Johnny had come to the house and threatened Mark and that the police had done nothing about that. Regardless of this, Ricky's vehicle was searched and no evidence was found. Police also searched the brother's family business and found two pieces of rope similar to the one that had been used to tie David up, but the rope was taken to the lab and determined to be different. The car of one of the oldest brother's close friends was also searched. His name was Anthony, and that turned up no evidence either. A call came in to the Metro squad from a confidential informant, and the last sentence of the first paragraph of this report says, The reporting officer made no attempt to verify the information or conduct an investigation because it was hearsay. The person who called in said that they had heard that a 24-year-old male who was six foot tall and wore glasses and a cowboy hat had killed David because David had ripped him off concerning drugs. This person went by the name of Bubbles. In one of Wanda's notes, she wrote that a cowboy driving a gold Gran Torino stared at her one day while she was driving, and in a separate note, she wrote Bubbles-Big. I've thought about the boys from episode 3 who got picked up by a man in a brown Gran Torino, but I can also see this being nothing or just a coincidence. It's also completely understandable that Wanda might have just been paranoid and that this person that she thought was staring at her was not actually staring at her. 
Wanda shared with police one of her more far-fetched theories about two weeks after David was killed. She said she had learned from several kids in the neighborhood that David was part of a cult called Satan's Disciples, and she felt that David was offered as a human sacrifice by the cult. When Linda and her friends were asked if they knew about this cult, Linda told police that she had only heard of it through Wanda and that every time she talked to Wanda, Wanda had a new theory about what happened to David. I think this theory is highly unlikely. Wanda did say that she had talked to a neighborhood kid who had seen one of the gatherings of this cult and had witnessed the cult burning cats and dogs as a sacrifice. And I will mention that when I talked to Sally, she said that a couple days after David was killed that their cat turned up dead on the side of their house. I haven't been able to verify this, Susan doesn't remember it, and there's probably nothing to it, but I just wanted to throw it out there. The only other possible suspect was brought about in two interviews in March and April of 1975. These interviews were two of less than five interviews conducted that year. In March, a girl called the Crimes Against Persons Unit to say that she had heard that the Missing Links, a biker gang, was responsible for David's murder. She heard that a girl named Tina had run away with David some time ago, and Tina's mother had told David that if Tina didn't come home, he would end up dead. This Tina girl eventually married one of the members of the missing links named Lucky John. I have no idea if David even knew Tina and have no proof that she ever ran away with him. I do know that Lucky John, Tina's husband, was killed four months before David was murdered, and... 16-year-old Tina at the time had only been married to Lucky John for a few days when he was killed. In April, two girls were interviewed at the pool hall, and one of the girls said that on the day David's body was discovered, she and Tina, along with another girl, were at the Missing Links Clubhouse in Belton. Four of the members of the bike club were talking about a kid named David that they had tied up and burned, and this was before the news about David's murder was out. One of the men's name was Cowboy. Officers contacted the third girl that was supposedly present that day at the clubhouse, and she denied knowing anyone named Tina and being present when anything was said about David's murder. The girl also said that she didn't hang around the missing links anymore. Police attempted to contact the two girls from the pool hall several more times, but they were unable to do so. To my knowledge, they never got a hold of the girls again. Nonetheless, none of the members of the missing links were ever questioned by police. So, as you can tell, there were a lot of rumors, and Wanda offered a lot of theories during the investigation. Some of them fizzled out really quickly, like there was a kid who told another kid, you're going to get burned while they were playing an arcade game. He was questioned. There was another kid who had pulled a knife on a guy at the drive-in movie the year before. He was questioned. But some are still a huge question mark. Doug, who saw David while he was in California and then came to Kansas City around the time of David's murder, was never questioned. To my knowledge, police never attempted to contact the woman who saw David ambushed on the side of the road or the woman at the church who feared that Wanda would be killed next. Police did look into the three brothers but failed to conduct polygraph tests on the boys and only searched one of their cars. And I think the reason that this is worrisome is because the alibi of one of the brothers 
that girl named Millie was never found, or at least a report was never made about finding her and confirming the alibi. While I think the police could have done a more thorough investigation, fairly early on they knew that the evidence only pointed to one man, Harry Funston. In the next episode, I'll take you through the evidence that was tested, the lab results, and the interrogation of Funston.